Welcome to The Extra Pieces. I'm Richard from The Rambling Brick and... I'm Jay from Jay's Brick Blog. Welcome to our little podcast and come and join us while we talk about Lego sets, things happening in the Lego fan community and pieces we've stepped on in the middle of the night. G'day Jay, how are you going? I'm great. It's a great time of the year. Summer is um, in full swing. It finally started last weekend. <laughs> We're only two months in. <laughs> yeah, just a few weeks late, but can't complain. It's turned up in Victoria just in time for the kids to go back to school. Exactly. Jan's a big month. Um, what what happens in Jan? Well, Brickvention happens in January. There you go. Brickvention is, of course, the Australian AFOL networking event. It um, ran on the weekend of the 19th to the 21st of January 2024 at the Royal Exhibition Buildings in Carlton in Melbourne, Victoria. And we had about 400 attendees on Convention Day. And over the two days of the public exhibition, exhibition we had a bit over 15,000 guests come through looking at the various models around the place one or two of whom actually came up to me and said hey I listened to your podcast thank you for that that was very I nice appreciate to, uh... you dropping by I appreciate yeah. you dropping by but what you're about to listen to folks is a special live episode that we recorded live on stage at the Brickvention Convention Day it was about three in the afternoon. I believe it's possibly the first time that Jay and I have actually been in a position to record most of an episode during daylight hours and in the same room as each other. Which was a lot of fun. Um, it which was a lot of fun. fun. Um, took us a while to kind of get used to it. Like I was like, do I look at the crowd? Do I look at you, Richard? Do I look in, you know, look look off into space? Uh, but we got there in the end. Um, I looked off into the space somewhere between you and the crowd. Ah. Uh, See, see, I should have. Uh, I, I, I didn't get the memo. Oh, I don't, I don't know if that was the right thing to do. But uh, anyway, we'd like to thank the Brickvention Committee for giving us the chance to present on stage and to have a chance to have a chat with some of our listeners and who were there at the convention that day. And we'd also just like to apologise for any audio glitches that may turn up here um, due to the nature of the initial recording on the other hand frederick may well have worked his sound mixing magic upon it all and it might just sound terrific yep uh you can blame uh you can blame the audio guy uh which is me because i have no idea what i'm doing um i just mic'd the both of us up and hit record on my phone and decided to hope for the best so look fingers crossed it sounds good i did play back the recording and it does sound reasonably legible which is good um but yeah it's a, it's a live recording um so yeah enjoy oh jay it's good to see you how are you today uh it's good to see you here as well this is very weird because um so i'm jay from jay's brick blog i'm richard from the rambling brick we co-host a podcast called the extra pieces podcast which is a collaboration between us two and it's actually really weird because we've never recorded in the same room before. We've never had a live audience before. So we, this is uncharted territory. We have never been in the same room with a live recording devices before. This is a challenge for us. Yeah. So fun fact, we normally record at like 
the dead of night, so like 9, 10 o'clock after the kids, after the 11 o'clock sometimes, after the kids are put to bed when the house is generally quite quiet. So yeah, this is, we, we've never recorded during the day as well, so this is the first. We are recording this, so if you do listen to us, uh, if you do follow the Extra Pieces podcast, you might see this episode pop up, or our editor might decide that this is not great and just can the whole thing. So uh, yeah, pressure's on us, Richard. The pressure is on Jay. Yeah, so uh, for those of us who don't know who we are, Richard, why don't you tell us a bit more about yourself, what you do, and what brought you here to Brickvention? An ambulance, no. Um, Hi, I'm Richard, I write The Rambling Brick. I have been an AFOL for 15 years ago next Saturday, which is when I first heard the term when I came to Brickvention 2009 at the Victoria University of Technology with my family using the ticket that came in the Lego Club magazine. And up until then, I was pretending that I was playing with the Lego with my children. And upon arriving up there, I discovered my tribe and discovered that I was now empowered to play with Lego in my own right, rather than to just act out vicariously through my children. Um, So this week, I'm celebrating 15 years as an AFOL. And I'd like to thank members of my family who have tolerated this addiction over that time. Thank you, Tash. About... Eight years ago, I started writing Rambling Brick, and it's really just looking at my take on what I see in the Lego sets that I look at and other trends that we see around Lego. In my spare time, I do anaesthesia, work in healthcare, and... He might put you to sleep. Yeah, so I don't always rely on the drugs. Um, Yeah, but that's that's me. I've got two children who are now growing up, a dedicated wife who knolls out elements for me when I'm reviewing them, and a dog who has now learned not to eat the Lego pieces that I've dropped onto the floor. So we're very grateful for your self-control, Mabel. Yeah. And Jay, tell us about yourself. That's very good. Um, Can you give me some tips on the dog not eating Lego pieces? I've got very young children. I've got a two-year-old, and he sometimes tries to eat the Lego pieces. So anything that works for the dog might work for a two-year-old as well. Okay, so fun story. A few years ago, I was putting together a little Guardians of the Galaxy set, and... Mabel leapt up onto the table, grabbed the set and took it out into the garden. Rocket Raccoon has got some dents in his mouth. And she got a very stern talking to. And she's actually learnt just to sit at the table and look at the pieces. Looks like she she just wishes she could have opposable thumbs to put the sets together these days. But otherwise, um, yeah, no, I can't offer anything beyond the children will put things in their mouth. The dog will put things in their mouth. And when they discover they don't taste good, eventually they will stop. Okay. Duly noted. Um, I'm Jay. I write Jay's Brick blog. Uh, I've been blogging for, I'd say, about 12 years now, and I kind of got back into it at the same time when I left my dark ages. I just graduated university. I wanted to pick a adult hobby that I could, um, you know, use to like relax and have a bit of fun with. Uh, I had a bit of disposable income, so why not? kind of pick up a childhood interest and I started a blog because when I first started getting back into Lego I was looking for a lot of like reviews I I really enjoyed reading reviews so I came across sites like you know uh, Brickset so it's great to see Hugh in the audience it's really useful to just kind of see and hear what other Lego fans thought of Lego sets and I wanted to then contribute back to the community as well so I started my own blog and here we are 
And we started a podcast because I really enjoyed chatting to Richard. Uh, I'm a big fan of Lego space, but my Lego space is very different from the Lego space that Richard grew up in. So classic space, uh, I was not born yet, whereas uh, Richard was there when the... Uh, I, he was there in the beginning. Now I have to admit that my classic space experiences of a kid involved the space scooter, the space rover, both of these had about 15 pieces each, that's including the minifigure, and that's basically what we had in our house as far as the space sets were concerned, but my neighbour up the road, he had the Galaxy Explorer, and his dad had taken to the base plate on that with a drill and a series of LED lights back in 1978, and... Uh, we had great fun sort of burning those lamps out as we put too much voltage without a resistor over them and watching them explode. The lighting options are so much better today. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my, my classic space at the time was, was grey, yellow, trans-yellow and blue. And Jay, what colour was your space as a kid? Uh, transparent orange chainsaws with Ice Planet. Neon, neon yeah. and more neon. Yeah, and Amtron as well. So uh, I, caught, I caught the tail end of uh, Lego space if you would call it, not so classic, but still Lego space. It's still space. Yeah, uh, and my very first set was the Vector Detector uh, Mtron. So The space helicopter? Yeah. No, 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 it's not, it's not, it's oh, not the Oh, that's not the Vector Detector, I beg your pardon? Yeah, I'm going to fact check this. Note to editor, cut this, cut this part out. <laughs> no, it was, it was the smaller set. It was the, uh, yeah, it, it, it was, uh, oh, it was yeah. a, like a one-man ship. So, yeah, couldn't afford the uh, space helicopter. No. Yeah. So, um, outside of this, we are, you know, what LEGO calls us recognized LEGO fan media. And to a lot of people, that just, uh, most people think that we just get a whole bunch of free LEGO sets to play around with. Is that true, Richard? There's no such thing as a free lunch, Jay. And I think that's probably the fair thing. Um, so, there are lots of opportunities that being a fan media has given us. It's given us the opportunity to have telephone calls in the middle of the night with designers in Billund, always the middle of the night, 11 o'clock's an early one. It's given us the chance to go over to the headquarters and, well, make our way over to the headquarters ourselves and then meet some people, have a look around the campus and meet some designers and program managers. And that's all, that's all self-funded. We don't, we, that's don't, all we, don't self-funded. Get, we don't get flown over, we don't get um, put up in accommodation. They might pay for a meal or two. They bought lunch. They bought lunch, yeah. It only cost me a week of annual leave. So those are some of the exciting opportunities, but I think one of the things that I'm always amazed at is just how much time it actually takes to write about a 150-piece set. It's, uh, it's pretty much a full-time job for at least some of us. Well, it's a full-time job for you, isn't it? Yeah. So um, for those of you who don't know, um, I've been doing LEGO full-time now for I think close to two years now. Close to two years. Yeah, close to two years which is an incredible privilege uh, and honour. I'm very lucky to be in the position that I'm in. Mm. But again, it also um, has a lot of work that goes into you know, putting this podcast together. Uh, we do have an editor that helps, uh, but then we, you know, a lot of work that goes into writing blogs, writing news articles, writing reviews um, that people don't really kind of realise. Like, uh, like Richard said, um, I'm actually quite tired right now because I was up till 2, 3 a.m. last night because we had a call uh, with Denmark. The time zone does not benefit us here in Australia. So 3 p.m. in Europe is about, yeah, it's about 1, 1 a.m. About 1 a.m. Yeah, which is when they schedule all the calls and all the meetings, which is fun. Um, but yeah, 
as, as an example, we got to I got to interview the designer of the Lego Kingfisher that's coming out in yeah in a in, in about weeks. a week or two. Yeah, so th that's been fun. But there's a lot of work that goes into putting reviews together, talking to designers. Um, yeah, in, how long hmm. does it take you to put a review together for for an average size set? For an average size set, it's probably about five or six hours. Yeah, I'd say yeah, about five to eight hours. If, I, if I'm if I'm working effectively, yeah, I rarely work effectively. It's generally spread out over the course of a week. Yeah, and that's and that's and that's you know taking that, that's building the set. Sometimes no, that's not even building the set because that might take um, a lot of time. So taking photos, editing, writing. Jay and I get different size sets, and I find that my average city set takes about eight hours to review. Jay finds that his average icon set takes about eight hours to build. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't do too many of the big sets these days. I find them a bit much like hard work. Yeah. What do people not realize when it comes to like writing reviews? Do you find it hard to write in an authentic manner? Because a lot of people, um, you, you sometimes get comments online, like, you know, you got this set for free, so you can't really, you know, be objective about the set. Do you agree with that? No. Okay, why, why, why not? Because I, I, th I think you're always going to be, well, it's part of why we do what we do. I tend to look for the good thing in everything. I, I tend to, look, I, I will often say nice things about every set, even if it's, I'm sure that this will be somebody's favorite set somewhere, but it's not mine. It's about looking for the pros and the cons in everything. And it's probably only if you've got that sort of balance that you can really be an authentic voice in it. But I find if I really don't like something, I actually won't review it. Like, I just won't take the time to write. I don't need to spend 10 hours of my life feeling miserable about something. I spend enough time feeling miserable as it is. <laughs> um, there are plenty of little things that niggle, and I think it's important to point out the things that I like and that I don't like and that other people will like. And I know I've, I've had a little bit of help from um, Branco recently with one of the Creator 3 in 1s, the Gumboot set, and he really didn't like it at all. But he also knew that it was going to be something that other people liked and he, he actually did a much better job at fighting through that personal distaste of it to provide a very um, nicely balanced review. And um, I think you just have to work to provide that balance. There's no requirement at Lego's end of the program for us to write positive things about it. They're looking for eyeballs and ears rather than people saying glowing things about everything and they take the feedback on board when it comes to designing future sets as well. And so I think from that point of view, it's very important to be happy to diss things if we're not really happy with how they've gone about it or, or things that are unpleasant. I've found some of the most annoying things are more likely to be colour matching in instructions. At the same time, you then realise they've been putting some thought into the way that the instructions have been designed. I'm rambling. That's why I'm called what I am. Jay, what, how do you feel about objective opinions? Oh, this is great. Um... <laughs> I think over time you learn to develop objectivity as a skill. When you've written enough reviews, it almost becomes second nature to try and look at a set from many different perspectives because there are many different types of people that will read a review or get value from a set. Some, mm. might, some might appreciate uh, the building process, some might appreciate highlighting interesting elements or interesting like parts usage or minifigures in the set. Some people might not even want to buy uh, a Lego set that they read a review for, but they you know, want to live vicariously through you and kind of you know, experience and you know, check out the set for, 
for themselves without actually having to invest in it. And some people might want to be surprised um, because there, mm. there, there's some really like surprising Lego sets or Lego experiences that Lego just quite, that they don't quite do a good job of presenting them where you get sets that look really poor in the official packaging design mm. or the official images. But when you actually build the set like, oh, it's a lot bigger, it's a lot more impressive. I, I think there are a couple of things there, yeah. There are a lot of sets that Lego sell themselves short on with their marketing materials and very little of, unless you've got one of those pictures in the minimalist home that represents probably virtually no one here today, um, where you've got the pristine shelves, the single Lego set, um, and the sole person going through the building process on their own or possibly on a date if it's a botanical set. Otherwise, all of the images that we now see on box art and the like are rendered. So some of these are great imaginative storytelling pictures. Some of them I'm finding are really annoying. Like at the moment, the new city space sets, the black or the, the windscreens of all of the spaceships are all very nearly transparent on the box. And it's actually the new transparent black. It's a very dark color but it doesn't render very well and it's sort of like this doesn't do what it says on the box. Mm. This isn't where this is how this yeah. sentence started. No, um, speak, speak, speaking of the like, oh. city space sets, yes. so, so one of the things that most people complain about are sticker sheets, you know? Everyone hates sticker sheets. Everyone hates getting sticker sheets. 11-year-olds don't hate sticker sheets, Jay. Their market research tells them that. How many 11-year-olds are in the audience right now? Like, one. Um, how many sticker sheets have you seen in the LEGO City sets this year? One. One. Yep, that was on the mech, the very smallest LEGO City set. It's the mech and it's just the vents that go on the slopes for the shoes. They're very, very, very um, optional. Yep. But all the spaceships so far that I've put together, the rovers I've put together so far, sticker free. Yeah, that, that, that is very surprising for LEGO City. I was quite surprised myself. Like I built like the burger truck recently, which was a really great set. And all the decorations are printed. Um, so look, complaining about sticker sheets, we've been complaining about sticker sheets for decades now, has seemed to, you know, kind of worked. But I really like sticker sheets because they mean I don't have to damage this element that otherwise I might just want to use plain and doesn't exist in any other form. That's why, that's why you always find a, you know, a positive thing to say about, yeah, yeah. sticker sheets. Yeah, but yeah. So sticker sheets have swings and roundabouts, but I've got a question for you, Jay. Uh -oh. And indeed for the audience, how do you feel about spoilers for Easter eggs in a Lego set in a review? Oh, uh, I think it's fine because it's the same like with spoilers for movies. If you, if you want to be spoiler free, you'll just avoid all the marketing, you'll avoid reading reviews and just go in blind. Well, certainly, but sometimes they leave, there are some things that get left out of the marketing material. Can I talk about a two-year-old set? Uh, yeah. Okay, so the modular police station, for example there is a great little tunnel that appeared in none of the marketing material underneath the jail. There's sort of this poster on the wall, you take it away, there's a, one, a single hole, and plainly, you know, out of the cell, there's this little tunnel being dug to the outside world. Appeared in none of the marketing material. Is it a spoiler to just mention that this actually occurs in the review? No, no, because you've got to be comprehensive, you've got to let people know that the tunnel is there. What if people hate tunnels? Like, that's a deal breaker. Like, I won't buy a set with a tunnel in it because the structural integrity is compromised. Well, we know that this set has been built to Lego's yes. um, rigorous construction standards, so we don't have to worry about the tunnel, as an example. But uh, I think it's sometimes some of these little surprises that live in there that they literally make me laugh out loud when I'm building them. And I sometimes feel 
anxious about, do I write about this or not, when I'm putting my review together. And sometimes I'll skip out, sometimes I'll say, what follows now, here be spoilers, click here to jump down three pages. Yeah, I think, I think on the topic of spoilers, it depends on how significant the spoiler is. If it's a really fun thing that um, you know, LEGO have put in as a intentional surprise, like for example, Hagrid in the Diagon Alley set. What? Is Hagrid in the Diagon Alley set? Oh, spoilers, Alice. sorry about that. Sorry for everyone who wanted to buy it, but there's a secret Hagrid minifigure. Yeah, but that wasn't in the marketing material, and I yep. think there was a, a mention that this was a surprise being put into the set as well, so I won't mention something like that. Yeah. What are LEGO doing right, and what are LEGO not doing as well as they should? I'm very excited that this year I've opened my first production sets that contain paper bags and where the majority of the bags have been paper bags and so I think they've got themselves on track for their sustainability goals from that point of view. I think that's something that they're doing right. Mm -hmm. They've reintroduced LEGO space across all themes. That's very, very right. Who doesn't love a good space set? Yeah, space is going to be a big, year, uh, a big focus this year. What are you most looking forward to? Technic space. Technic space, yes. I, I think the the spaceship and the sort of the fantasy rover in Technic, they'll be fun. Yeah. Um, the what VTOL is a very cool set. Like, it's huge. So, yeah. It's unlike anything that LEGO have ever done before. So, I'm not a big Technic fan, but I'm going to get it because it's a cool spaceship. Mm. What about you, Jay? What do you think they're doing right? Uh, I think, and this might be controversial, but I think that the pricing is starting to get slightly better. We're getting a lot more like mid-range size sets mm. and not as many big expensive sets as we used to get. I think the last two years have been quite painful on the wallet. They have been. Yeah, but we're seeing a lot smaller sets, um, things like the Kingfisher um, mm. coming out. Um, even some of the, you know, even some of the recent LEGO idea sets have been fairly reasonable. Like the insect collection, the Viking village have been priced reasonably okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Mm. And what do you think they're doing wrong? Uh, what are you happy to talk about them doing wrong? Not enough space. <laughs> not enough like classic space. I think LEGO are trying to do a bit too much. Um, they've got their fingers in a lot of pies. If you look at the yeah. license sets, for example, We've got Mario, we've got Animal Crossing, we've got Sonic, and they do want to you know, appeal to many, many different diverse audiences. But I feel like because there's so much going on, it can be very easy to overlook a lot of the good things that are happening because you're just getting, you know, there's, there's just release after release after release every month that it's very hard to keep up. Yeah, it's a bit overwhelming, isn't it? Yeah. And certainly over the time that we've both been blogging, we've seen LEGO go from a focus of building a children's toy to of which adults have a bit of an interest in doing their own thing with and now moving over to a toy for whom the target demographic is currently human beings um, probably over the age of two I think they haven't gone back to the primo market yet and they haven't yet expanded out to dog chew toys or things for people to play with if they don't have opposable thumbs yeah and what and, and, and what do you think Lego are you know not doing is yeah what, what could they be doing better from your perspective? The things that annoy me are probably the things that other people like and it's as much the sheer volume in so many different directions. You're going to miss the interesting pieces now because it came out in that Gabby's Dollhouse set over there which you didn't even think about getting. 
all of the good organic colours like medium nougat and medium and and reddish brown I've just discovered recently have come out in the one by two inverse slopes inverse curved slopes in the Super Mario Donkey Kong sets and nowhere else really yet it's it's like everything's just an excuse to expand the palette and ultimately it's going to be Bricklink and pick a brick as the end game and everything else is just an excuse to fill those things up yeah cool okay um, all right we are going to open this up to uh, you the audience so if you have any questions for us um, any burning questions anything that you've ever wanted to ask any of us Tash Jones has the mic um, so please raise your hands and we'd love to take some questions do you guys any advice for new content creators advice for um, fledgling content creators be yourself don't try and be Brickset don't try and be Brothers Brick don't try and be Jay do the, do the stuff that's oh, unless you're Jay then be Jay that's, that's worked pretty well so far for me <laughs> it's worked alright for you me trying to be Jay didn't work um, my advice would be be yourself report on the stuff that talk about the stuff that you want to do if you want to cover everything now you can't cover everything there's too much Last year, LEGO content creators produced 38 years worth of video. On Those are the ones of the recognised fan media. So that's just a little bit too much like hard work as far as trying to keep up with everything. Don't try and cover everything. There's so much that you could do. And I don't think any of us would really be able to do all of it. Uh, cool. Uh, I think for me, it's important to figure out very early on why you want to create content and create and, and, and start building habits and you know the discipline and kind of get into a groove because you will take time and your you know, the content that you want to create will evolve over time when you start off it's going to be it's going to be rubbish your your your, your first reviews your first videos your first blog posts, they're all going to be rubbish. Like I cringe when I read back my reviews from like 10 years ago because the photography is terrible, the lighting is terrible. I write like a 20 year old, which, which I was at the time. But you will slowly develop and grow and it's very important early on to get into a groove of consistently creating content and getting better at it. Um, I also think it's very important to yeah, like Richard said, to find your own voice and to not feel pressured to be like anyone else. And what a lot of people don't realize is that you need to be finding people that want to read or consume content that you're creating. And you will always find them, um, you know, you can always find them because the internet is pretty good at finding, you know, and connecting people to very niche communities or niche voices and niche opinions. And it's very important to find people that are like you at the start and slowly and organically build a community around that. I think consistency is one of the most important skills if you ever want to you know, do content creation as a, you know, whether as a hobby or an eventual like full-time job, consistency is king because a lot of people have started on this journey and a lot of people have given up you know, a few months into it, a few years into it. Whereas, you know, for a lot of it, like we've been writing for like over 10, 10 ish years now. Well, you've been over 10, I've been eight. Yeah, close. It. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so it does, take a, it does take a long time. Overnight success takes years to achieve. So yeah. 
be consistent. So just a question about the, when you are reviewing a set, what's something that like draws your attention? Is it a new part? Is it part usage? What's something that would be the first thing that like, really grabs you? For me, I really enjoy when a set does something innovative or something that's never been done before. Like, like parts usage is nice. I do enjoy that as a, as, as, as a nice surprise. So for example, like the insect collection has some of the best like parts usage, very creative parts usage, like using a white croissant as a grub. That was, that, that, that was just fun to discover. Um, so, but I look, I look for different things that I think my readers would be interested in. Some people are interested purely in a, you know, purely in display value. So things like the botanicals, uh, like the roses, for example, those look great on display. But as a build, they're fairly like repetitive, so it's not for everyone. So for me, I try to find things that um, are interesting. I don't like repetitive builds, so the roses was, you know, kind of a pain because you have to build 12 of them. Uh, the Colosseum was a pain because you're, you're building so many different wedges, but yeah. I think for me, it's when LEGO does something unexpected and fun and I guess accessible at the same time because you know, some of my favourite sets in the past few years have been 1599 sets like the, like the Creator Unicorn or the Creator Super Robot uh, or you know, the Water Battle Pack or the Seal Battle Pack for example. You know, those, those, those are really fun. And After you buy the accessible. Polar Bear set, it becomes a snack pack. Yes. <laughs> And, yeah, and, and, and the orcas as well, they need to mm, eat. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you look for? I also enjoy the surprises, the things I've not seen before, and often the way that the parts usage is wound in with that. Anne's already gone through the pieces, and she often comes to me and says, I've not seen this colour before, I've not seen this thing before, and going through the new city space sets, there's been a lot of that. One of the things I think that surprised me most when putting together one of those sets, apart from the lack of stickers, is the in one of the rovers the set is actually designed to also take mini dolls so it's it's set from it's sort of the default is the minifigures come in the set but without any changes it's it's got the little base plate that they like to use for the mini dolls sitting in cars so they sit stable so that's there so you can just take your astronauts from the mars mission and put it through and that was probably one of the most exciting things i've seen in a set in the last little while other than just seeing a classic space logo appear on the lid there you go. Oh, uh, I am also a sucker for nostalgia and references. So whenever Lego throw in a fun reference to like Fabuland or Classic Space in a set, when they update or refresh characters, for example, like the curator from the Modular Museum, who's from Lego Adventurers, they also, you know, uh, refresh or remade uh, Pippin Reed from Lego Adventurers in the Orient Express train set. So I love uh, stuff like that, especially when they tie it back to sets and themes from my childhood. So yeah, that's a big plus for me. So when you were um, initially embarking on your journeys as reviewers, how did you learn the technical aspects, so the filming and the camera work for your photos and uploading things to your blog. Where did you find the technical information to actually make it happen? Where did I find the technical information? Hmm. I suppose photography for me had always been an, an interest for a while and 
I'm one of those people who would be going down to the beach at dawn in January um, to catch, you know, put a couple of mini figures um, by, the, by the seaside and watch them get washed away and just experimenting with light from that point of view. So I think in my first reviews, my lighting was done with the aid of a torch, a curved piece of A4 paper and a telephone. And my kit has been upgraded somewhat several times over the years. I, th I think it's through reading about photography, um, engaging with toy photography communities initially as well for me, that was um, useful at that time. And in fact, there wasn't a lot written at that stage specifically for taking a photo about Lego. Um, if you're doing it these days, I'd refer you to Four Bricks Tall, I'd refer you to Stuck in Plastic, I'd refer you to Brick Central, um, I'd refer you to the toy photographer's blog as places to look for an introduction into toy photography. And I'd then tell you to go back to about 2010, 2012 or so, because since then it's all been getting very, very sophisticated and basic articles are probably not so coming through quite so often. And it's perhaps something that, you know, I need to revisit, that, that I think in myself, this is something to revisit. And every so often when I discover something new, I try and write about that as well, because it's not just about the Lego, it's about the Lego fan experience for me as well. Yeah, most of it you learn by watching what other people do. It's like building, it's like design. You learn about things in Lego design by looking at what other people have done. You do it by scouring Flickr and thinking, what have they done right? What have they done wrong? And you can apply that same criticism to photos and just playing and trying. You know, where, does the ca where do the lights work best? Which, what's the best angle? How low do you want to take your camera relative to your figures? and all of a sudden you stop doing your photos on the floor and you move onto a table, then you move onto a bench so that you don't have to hunch over quite so much. That's where I learned. Uh, yeah. Did I you read a book? Uh, no, I don't read a book, yeah. Um, watch a lot of YouTube. So a lot of, a, a of self-learning, a lot of resources on how to use a camera, how to start a website, how to edit photos, how to take photos. You can, you can access a lot of free uh, resources and tutorials on things like YouTube. So that's been very useful for me. Mm. Yeah, and just doing it. Like, once you start doing it, you eventually get into a a rhythm of practice, and you just you just get better at it after a while. In vanity, you load up your own website, and you realise that perhaps you shouldn't have uploaded that photo at full resolution of five thousand by six thousand, when you know twelve hundred by eight hundred would have been more than enough. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. You both talked quite a bit about how much hours you put How do you keep it fun? How do you not get sick of it? I don't think it's possible to get sick of Lego, which is, which is one of the most enjoyable parts of it. My but, wife may disagree. I think because there's always interesting stuff happening with Lego, I will always look forward to building a set. Um, but answering that question about how do I you know, keep it you know, interesting, how do I keep it fun? Um, ever since I've turned this into my day job, I've had to find other hobbies because this used to be my hobby and now it's my job. So it's a really fun job, but at the same time, because, you do, because I'm doing it as work right now, there is that, oh, I'm working and I need different things to distract me or you know, just, just switch, my mode, switch, switch my brain from Lego mode to you know, relaxing mode. So like recently, I've gotten back into like collecting like Pokemon cards which is great because I get to satisfy the collecting itch and they're not as space intensive as Lego, which is quite fun. 
uh, I've also started um, keeping an aquarium. So, which is which is which I really recommend if you want to do something other than Lego because you can't. I mean, you can buy a lot of stuff, but generally with fish, you just kind of keep them alive. You just wait around. They don't do much. You can't just like keep buying stuff for and and stuffing it into your aquarium because yeah. Um, so that's been a nice kind of slow hobby for me, um, and yeah, that's just a fun way that I that I um, just a few fun things that I do to kind of keep myself, you know, not thinking about Lego all the time. Check out www.jaysfishblog. I'm gonna yeah register that URL today. <laughs> Excellent. I I haven't killed any fish for yeah for months, so that's yeah it's, that's quite good. I've had a bit more of a stormy relationship this year. Sometimes you just have to walk away from it for a while and pick up something that you know is fun and whether that for me is a is just a crazy little $10 creator set or whether it's just pulling something apart and building something the way that for me doing my own creation rather than putting a set together I, f I find that that's that becomes quite important for me I've got a great deal of satisfaction earlier this year out of attempting to sort many of my bricks. And while a lot of them were sorted for a while, they are now scattered all over the floor again, um, thanks to the latest projects. And um, we're going to be doing some sorting again over the next few, and my daughter is moving out of home in the next fortnight. So um, so, she, so I'm getting a new Lego room. She's losing some shelves. Um, but yeah, sorting is actually remarkably soothing for the soul, I find. and. Uh, goes a long way not everything stays built up some of it will go a lot of it will go back into general revenue for parts creation I've got a whole lot of models that have just got bits taken off because that's the only place I could find that one part and there comes a point when they stop looking good and you've just got to say this is now parts for the library cool awesome I think we are almost out of time so we will take two more questions two more questions two more, if questions, there two more questions if there's anyone do you get any notice when um, Lego are sending you out a set to review, or does it just turn up on your doorstep? We get notice. We get notice of a theme. We get notice of set numbers. That is all. We are given the option if we're working with teams and if we've got extra reviewers, and you know there are certainly a, a number of fan media around the world that are, that have got people who specialise in Technic, people who specialise in Star Wars and the like, and thus so you can make sure that it's going to the right person. Sometimes you get two months notice, sometimes you get two weeks notice, sometimes the set arrives two days after the embargo, sometimes the embargo for release is shifted, either brought forward or pushed back, and if you missed the email then you might find yourself getting a little message saying what happened there. Um, but yeah, we get a bit of notice of, as to what we're getting. We do have the opportunity to request a sort of a theme and you'll notice that some blogs will also have an emphasis on technic or friends or brightly colored things or things with shiny new parts so yeah there's there's a bit of notice and we do get a little bit of a preference in the nature of material that we get but sometimes dice get rolled and weird things happen as well yeah and sometimes dhl just fail to deliver it accurately i think on that note as well sometimes you get to like when you get offered stuff you can always decline um, you can always decline and say, no, thank you, I don't want to cover that. So, for example, if, I don't know, Lego want to send me a... Minecraft. A Minecraft set, and I have no interest in Minecraft. I've never played Minecraft. I, don't, I, I've, I have no knowledge of Minecraft. 
I might say no. So yeah, that's, that's an option as well. It's very hard. Very few secrets left because there's just so much that leaks nowadays, um, you know, from set names to set numbers to set photos. So surprises are quite rare, but they do sometimes happen. Lego can keep secrets if they want to, but yeah, mo most, most of it we, 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 we tend to know ahead of time. Okay. But not through official channels. Yeah. You asked each other what Lego were doing well and not so well, and it's always been a lot of coverage, and there's always issues with land and the advice of the network. Do you feel that Lego's going in the right direction of what we're doing with land and the moment? Ooh, spicy question to Ooh, finish Ooh, spicy up. question. Let's go. What do you think, Jake? So, so the Lego Ambassador Network is, um, again, for those who don't know, is where we belong to is recognized Lego fan media. Um, the lugs, the Lego user groups are also part of the uh, ambassador network as well. So it's a, a you know a place that you know runs the whole I guess adult engagement and community engagement program. That's for people. Um, you know that's that's the land when people talk to. I I will say that the land is a place where we interface with Lego, um, and these people are working for Lego. And like any professional working environment because they are professionals, they are at work, there are always issues that emerge, whether it's, you know, drama, whether it's someone getting kicked out for no reason, whether it's um, communities being sanctioned because of, you know, whatever reason. Like in any work environment, I think having a, a, lot, of, a lot of issues arise because of poor communication. I think being able to communicate directly with Lego is always a good thing. There are a lot of positive conversations that come out and concerns that are raised that I think have been addressed well. I don't dwell too much on the drama because I don't feel it's very valuable to raise things in a public forum when I can just raise them directly with Lego. Um, I will pick and choose my battles. Like for example, the crusade that I've been on about the transition from minifigures um, from blind bags to blind boxes. That is something that I feel is worth taking public because um, a lot of people were unhappy about it, the community were unhappy about it, and now it, it's emerging that there are QR codes that you can scan to find out what minifigures are inside. And I think that has been a direct result in not just the community, but also fan media raising it directly with LEGO on multiple times and making it clear this is our feedback. So I think that, you know, like anything, there is a constructive way of um, providing feedback and you know you kind of just have to pick your battles um, and know the right way to approach things. Um, yeah, it's a professional work environment. You're interfacing with a, a big billion dollar brand and you know I personally would just be as professional as I can be. What about you? I think it's fair to say that there's been a changing media landscape and there's been a period of rebirth of the land itself. There have been some significant personalities within the company that have retired in recent years and the people responsible for, and I think the technical term is community managing deep fandom. Um, seriously, it's, it's the title. Um, we've got new people in that role, they're getting the hang of, they've been involved often with managing communities of different sorts. Some have been involved with Lego for years, but not necessarily interfacing with people. And we're all trying to work out where we stand with each other again. Um, there's certainly been a change in a lot of the fan media landscape in recent times with a dramatic increase in 
YouTube short-term, short-form video content like TikTok, and certainly a decline in sort of text blog and text-based reviews as the way that probably marketing feel that whether or not they're getting value for money in in their um, product. They're certainly they're making a not insignificant investment in in the fan media for the amount of material that gets sent out to review. So they also need to make sure that they're getting a decent number of hits or that they've got a certain community types engaged. And I think there's been a lot of rebalancing going on there. Um, and you're just hearing more that I'm very bad at saying anything bad about anyone. No, I think, I think that's fair. Um, there, there have been a lot of high profile like offboardings recently. An example would be a couple of like Australian blogs um, that have got cut, which Personally, I disagree with because there, you know, I feel like there should be a robust, you know, representation of, you know, not just content creators but like bloggers or different types of content. I think that's important. But again, it's not my program, so like it's not my house, so I don't dictate how things are run. There have been a lot of like high-profile like people leaving land that you kind of see on YouTube. You have, you know, Brixie who was, you know, put on probation because he accidentally revealed something at um, in Denmark that wasn't supposed to be revealed. And again, like it's, I don't set the rules, so like generally I can understand why these things happen. But at the same time, it's I'm just a guest in that house. And I think personally for myself as well, like I like if the land were to shut down overnight, it would not change what I do like if I would get well if I were to get kicked out you know fingers crossed that doesn't happen that would not affect you know 95% of the work that I do I will still keep publishing I will still keep reporting I'll still keep reviewing um, because that is at the end of the day this is why I um, I started doing it because of the love of it and I will continue doing it because of the love for it so if I ever stop that means I've fallen out of love of it so thankfully I'm not at that, at that position just yet but um, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't really impact what I do. Mm. Cool. All cool. right. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. Uh, this will Thank be, you, I guess, uploaded to our podcast. So if you, if you haven't already, check us out on Extra Pieces, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Jay from Jay's Brick Blog. And I'm Richard from The Rambling Brick. And these are the Extra, extra pieces. pieces. We don't have any Extra Pieces. So we will add that in in post. Oh my goodness, Jay! It does feel like it was just yesterday, doesn't it? I think it's been two. Has it? Has it been two weeks? A week? Oh, it's been about a week and a half. So uh, it's getting close. I've almost recovered. That's the typical post-brickvention recovery duration. That's what the doctor ordered. Typical brickvention recovery for me typically takes till round about March. But we've got a few things that we're just getting ready to roll. I got back into the hang of building something over the weekend, um, and it may have been the world's smallest Technic set. But uh, it was something. That's cool. So we'll follow up with that shortly. Yeah. Uh, so, again, thank you very much for listening in to our very first live podcast episode. That was a lot of fun to record and to chat uh, and to also take questions. Um, a very special thank you to everyone who asked questions at Brickvention. That was um, a lot of fun. We will be back to our regular scheduled programming very soon. There's a lot to talk about. There sure is. There is just so much. So until next time, I'm Richard from The Rambling Brick. And I'm Jay from Jay's Brick Blog. And these are the extra pieces. You have been listening to Extra Pieces, a collaboration between Jay's Brick Blog and The Rambling Brick.
Your hosts are Jay Ong and Richard Jones. The show is written and produced by Jay Ong and Richard Jones with audio engineering by Frederick French Pounce. Extra pieces can be found through your favourite podcasting platforms. Please like and subscribe. And if you like what you hear, please consider giving us a solid five-star review so that others can find us and share the joy. Some sets discussed on the Extra Pieces podcast are provided by the Lego Group for review purposes, but all opinions are our own.